Welcome back to Matrescence Awakening with Kieran Lee. Thank you so much for being here. I am your host, Kieran, and I love sharing this space with you where we talk all things motherhood, self-development, spirituality, and all sorts of fun goodness. I have been doing a lot of solo episodes lately, and I'm really excited to be bringing an interview to you today. I took a little break from the interviews, but I'm really excited to be back into it and having these beautiful conversations. I've got quite a lot coming up over the next few months, so stay tuned for that. But today I have invited the beautiful Sammy Johnson to have a conversation and I really want to journey with Sammy and chat all things journaling. Now, I know that might sound like a bit of a boring topic, but don't you now really stay with us because there is so much depth and beauty that can come to this and we're going to talk about a whole lot of things in motherhood and stuff as well. So really juicy conversations to come. But I want to touch on this journaling piece. I've spoken about it a lot in a few previous episodes, and in particular, the one I released a couple of weeks ago, all about unmasking yourself, navigating the identity shift in motherhood, and about how important self-reflection is, and that journaling can be a really great tool to support that. So I really want to bring more depth around that to try and like crack open another tool that you might be able to lean into. So let me introduce Sammy to you. Sammy Johnson. Sammy is a transformational and intuitive teacher. She coaches you to connect deeply with yourself and your inner knowing. Sammy guides you to build a relationship with yourself as the anchor point that directs everything in your life so that you can experience the love and freedom you're searching for. Being in one of the spaces she facilitates is as much an energetic transmission as it is words, tools, resources, and practices. And I can really speak to and attest to that. And I'm excited to really build on that energetic transmission that can come from being in her spaces. But Sammy, welcome. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me and being here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. So I would love for us to kick off our conversation maybe with touching on how your matrescence journey has been. So this real transition into motherhood, it can be a wild ride and everyone has such a personal experience with it. But I'd love for you to share How's it been for you? Has it been as expected? Have you like been put through the ringer? What's been going on? Wow. It has been truly nothing like I expected. Nothing mm-hmm. at all. And that's been for me the magic in it. Because this journey is it's been the most deeply grounding and unraveling and spiritual journey for me becoming a mom Mm -hmm. and the fact that it was so different to the fantasy that I had painted in my mind the fact that it was so different to that is why it's been so grounding because it's it's really forced me to come into my body and learn about truth and self-parenting and in the journey I've really learned how to take care of myself because Mm -hmm. I've needed that I've really needed that being a mom and like everything about it has been unexpected. Yeah. I love that you use that word fantasy actually, because it can really feel like that, you know, before motherhood, if you are someone that has had that inner desire to really be a mother, we have this idea about what it's going to look like and what it's going to feel like. And I know for me, I really put that on a pedestal as once I become a mum, that's it. I'm going to feel so fulfilled. And, you know, of course, I love those little beings that I have, but I don't feel like my fulfillment is in motherhood anymore. And when I look back at I guess it, it kind of does feel like that fantasy world that I created. So it's a really interesting phrase or word that you use there to to describe that. 
And you said that it's been like this real kind of spiritual opening for you. Do you, would, were you spiritual before you become a mum or has that kind of opened up a new way that you connect in with life and spirituality really being a driving force there? Yeah, so I would say I have always been spiritual. I would say that, but it's been a really different experience. So I would say that when I was younger, throughout my whole life, I've always felt that I've been able to access insight. Mm -hmm. So when I was, I remember really clearly being 12, 12 years old and sitting with the idea or the concept that you are the creator. And I remember sitting with that and being like, and exploring it and being like, okay, so how is it that we are the creator? So I've got a twin brother and we had the same upbringing, went to the same schools and our experiences in life have been so different. So, um, I mean, I won't go, I won't go too much into his story because it's not mine to tell, Mm. but his, um, He's experienced a lot of mental health issues. He's been in and out of prison for most of his adult life. He struggled through school. And I was just so fascinated by the concept that we could have the same upbringing but be having different experiences. And then I started exploring how our perception creates our reality. So the way that we look at things changes our reality and all of that. So I've always been that way inclined and thinking in that way. And I think my brother's been such a big part of that. But when I became, I also, what I realized though, when I became a mum, is that I was very disassociated, which was a coping strategy when I was younger, but I was very much living out of my body. And I thought that that like accessing that high because I could access that, the high and the the feelings of like appreciation and bliss and all of these things. I thought that was what spirituality was. Mm. And obviously everything is spirituality. Um, That's a part of it. But what I was missing was the embodiment piece. I was, Mm. I was so disembodied before I became a mom. So it's like, I studied a lot as well. I studied for like all of my twenties So I had all of this information in my mind, but it wasn't in my being. And that's how I was living in fantasy as well, because I was like, it was essentially a coping strategy. And I was really just denying what was true and denying what was real. So for me, the spiritual experience has been coming into my body and all of life and opening to all of life and completely unraveling. Like for me, being a mother is the hardest it's from the moment I fell pregnant, it wasn't what I expected. So the whole thing has been not what I expected. And it's just been a huge unraveling. (laughs) So there, I mean, they are huge concepts for a 12 year old to be thinking about and having exploration in. How do you, how does a 12 year old get to the point where they are thinking about those things? Did you have parents that were spiritual or, you know, thought about the world in that sort of way? Or was it just so innate you don't really know where it came from? Like my, my parents were not, are not spiritual at all. Like they are very, uh, yeah, like traditional, um, very kind of like normal, I know, mm-hmm. to use that word, but just not spiritual at all. Um, so the where did that come from? I There were lots of parts of my childhood that were deeply painful. And I guess that 
Yeah, it's like that's just where I went. That's where my mind went. I actually remember reading a quote um, and it was it was in a magazine and it was what you, I can't remember the quote, but it was like what you imagine you become, what you are, you attract. You know, do you know the quote I'm talking about? No, like, but I get the concept. Yeah, it's like it was like a law of attraction quote, essentially. What um, you what you perceive, you believe kind of lines. <laughs> but I when I read it, I remember feeling it in my body. I was like, whoa. It like I didn't just read it. I like I read it and it's like I was remembering something. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, whoa. That's that's I I read it literally and then started exploring it from there. And then it was that that's just one thing that I remember, but I've had so many of those moments. But the, the difference is I was really in my head and I just wanted to collect information. And I was thinking the more information I could collect, the more I can learn about human behavior and about how the universe works and all of that, the more I'll, like, I was thinking the more I would know, the more information I collect, the more I would know. But my experience of knowing now is so different. And my experience of knowing is all about being in your body. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a a big distinction and really interesting that that motherhood is what was that real trigger for you. I'm supporting a client at the moment who's going through a very similar journey in that she can recognize that she does so much reading. She has a lot of, like she understands a lot of concepts, but she really struggles with the implementation of actually living it, feeling it, embodying it. And this is in the way that she shows up in her motherhood, not necessarily her spiritual practice, but it's just that concept of that embodiment piece is so important and it's often that missing link to actually feeling like you have that connection to yourself and feeling like you can show up in a way that is really supportive for how you want to show up instead of just always thinking about what is the next thing I can learn. Yeah. I mean, doing that and I was in that and that's how I can speak to it. It's just another way of avoiding the thing yeah. by being like, oh, I'll just learn this new thing and I'll do this course and I'll do this. It's it's a way of avoiding the thing. <laughs> because if I'm always reading about what I should be doing, I don't actually have to feel it. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. You can trick yourself into thinking that you're, that you're doing it. Yeah. You can trick yourself into thinking that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then, so coming into mum life, so you have one boy, is that right? I do. I have a four-year-old named Atlas. Oh, Atlas, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you are a single mama now. Mm-hmm. What's that journey? So not only have we transitioned into motherhood, we've also transitioned into single mum life. What's that kind of brought up for you? Well, this is this is one of the big parts about how being a mother is so different to what I envisioned and so different to the fantasy I had created. And it's, I mean, even the way I fell pregnant. So, so I was uh, with my partner, Atlas's dad, for only a couple of months when we found out we were pregnant. And at the time we were, it's a, it's a wild story. We were traveling India. We had a trip to Burning Man booked. Um, we were just, we, we weren't trying to have a baby. We, we. Out there living your best life. <laughs> we were out there living our best life. We fell pregnant and we decided to, we decided to keep it. We spoke about it. We, and at the time we were 
in this whirlwind kind of romance. Uh, we got engaged at Burning Man. It's like a very like whirlwind kind of story. And by the time Atlas was 12 weeks old, I was a single mum. So it was very quick. It was very, it was, it was like, um, I don't know if you're, I mean, oh, it's, I was just going to say like, it was like very in line with my Saturn return. So I'm not like super into astrology and I don't even know much about it, but it's just so interesting that it was like exactly my Saturn return. It was like when all of this stuff happened and it was just a real, I literally felt like I was put into a washing machine and my whole life was just flipped upside down. And it was what I realize now is like the further I, the further anyone is away from their true center, the further, the further they are away, the bigger the drop. And I was so far in fantasy. I was so like even projecting my fantasy onto what my relationship was, you know? So, so the fall to come back down to be like, oh, suddenly I'm a single mom and I'm this baby's full-time breastfed. So it was me, just me for the first 14 months parenting. It was uh, like earth shattering. (laughs) It was um, so fucking hard. Like I don't even, I don't even know how else to put that into words. So Atlas's dad and I started a co-parenting journey from then. We actually built up to 50-50 co-parenting, which in itself was challenging because when you're on your own, what I found was when you're on your own, it's it's a lot. And then when you don't have them, you miss them so much. And then I I was always like, is this what's best for Atlas? And and then a, a few months ago, Atlas's dad moved to Bali. So now I'm again full time solo mum. And he comes back from Bali. He comes back, you know, when he comes back. And we're going to go to Bali later this year. So. It's, it's definitely an interesting experience to navigate and it has been, it's not ideal and it's been deeply profound, deeply healing. It's been so grounding and, like I said, I've really learned to parent myself and that's a part of why it's been so healing. Like for the first time in my life, I've learned to really take care of myself and I know now that has to be a priority because I'm the one that has to show up for my son. And, you know, whenever I'm unregulated, he'll show me straight away. You know, he's always mirroring me. And if I'm, if, if I'm having a moment where I'm feeling so overwhelmed or if I'm, I'm like, I can't handle this today, like being a mom feels like too much, straight away I'm like, okay, what do I need? How can I give that to myself? How can I prioritize that? And that's my practice so that I can come back and show up for Atlas. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I can definitely um, agree with what you're saying around the the sharing, the co-parenting, being a single mum myself as well, in that when I have them, it is just like 24-7 because they – sleep in my bed, <laughs> you know, they're with me from five o'clock in the morning when I wake up there, you know, there is no, no time away from them when they are in my care. Mm-hmm. And then when they're not with me, 
you know, how am I spending my time? What am I doing? Am I, am I missing them? Am I always thinking about them? And I'm so thankful that I have such a really great relationship with their dad and their dad is just so incredible. Um, so I know that they're having so much fun and they're being so cared for and so loved. And I know that not everybody has that experience in a co-parenting relationship. So I do feel so thankful and so grateful um, that we have been able to cultivate that. But it is this real balance between always wanting something that you don't quite have. And sometimes if you don't recognize it, you can get caught up in that yearning, caught up in that yearning of wanting time away from them, caught up in that yearning of wanting them to be with you, caught caught up in the yearning of not knowing what to do with your time. So you'll just sit and not do anything instead because that feels better than feeling guilty about enjoying your time without them. Yeah, And so it is such a balance and such a a juggle. And one thing that I have personally, um, if I allow myself to think about it too much, it actually makes me so sad and upset in that I'm going to miss almost half of my children's life. There's going to be almost half of their days that I'm not going to be with them because they are with their dad. And when I think about the bigger picture of that, that can feel really sad. But I also know that for me, I show up as a better person when I have time away from them. So I need to keep coming back to that. And I'm actually working with a really wonderful lady to help with my nervous system regulation at the minute, because I know I've been feeling so triggered by my children. And I know that that's a reflection of what's going on in my nervous system. And she said, like my nervous system needs support, but it's not really, really bad. And that is most likely because I have that time away from my children to be able to regulate my nervous system. So I know that in the moments it really does serve me and, and it is my choice on where I choose to spend my time placing my energy and, and you know, how I want to be showing up for myself in those moments as well. But, yeah, there's no denying that it is definitely something that takes work and can feel like a balancing act that you're never going to really get quite right. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the, I, I'm just thinking about that comment that you made about missing 50% of their life. And the interesting thing is like, I mean, because time is an interesting thing, but what I found is that when I am fully in the moment and fully present with Atlas, like that is worth so much. Like that's the thing that's worth everything. Yeah. And so it's more about the this is my experience for me. It's more about the quality of time as opposed to the time. Yes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I really learned that in the in, in co-parenting because you can be a full-time parent with two parents together and both be completely burnt out and exhausted and have no break and the, the quality time's not there because you're not taken care of so you, you can't you're not able to be in the presence. Yeah. You know, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Parenting in general, right? I know. Parenting in general. And and honestly, as a, when I knew I was going to be full-time solo mom again, I had a mental breakdown at first. (laughs) I was like, I cannot, I cannot do that. And I have had, I've had moments since um, his dad moved, his his dad's a mate. His dad's a great dad. I'm very grateful for that as well. Um, but yeah, I've still I've had moments of that. But my first my first thing was, well, what is it that I need to be okay? And for me, and how can I prioritize that? So I do have help, and I've really learned as a solo mum, I've really learned to ask for help, which I wasn't good at at all. And I've learned the second part of that is to actually open to receive it. So for that, I had to learn to let go 
And then there was like a taking up space thing in there for me. Like I didn't feel um, like I could receive help and um, allow myself that. So that's been huge in itself for that. Yeah, and we could do a whole nother podcast on the, the resistance and the the challenges with asking for and receiving help. It is it's a huge piece. And the the thing that mums think that they should be able to do it all on their own, it's just complete bullshit. It's you can't. It's 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 parenting is is not a one person job. It's not even a two person job, right? Two parents aren't even aren't even enough. We we really need we need a lot of help for these people for these small humans. Yeah, and so I'm curious as a solo mum, what does that support look like for you now? I have so I've logged in like a regular. So for me, I was like, okay, what do I really need for me to feel good and for my cup to feel full? And a part of that is that I can dance every week, so I can go to dance. And I, you know, can get like movement in, exercise in, and then a bit of time for myself. So Atlas actually goes to, um, he goes to a school of early learning. So he goes, he goes four days a week, but I have flexibility in my work. So sometimes I can drop him late and pick him up early. And I make sure that we have a full day together every single day during the week where I can be really present with him. And I have I have I have help from family, so I I ask for them for help when I, you know, um, but I'll I'll also plan it in advance so I know that I've got one night coming up, you know. Yeah. So he stays with his granddad once a fortnight, for example, on a Thursday night. So I know once a fortnight, every Thursday night, like I've got that night for myself. Yeah. Um, and just I just do little things like that. Yeah. 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 It doesn't have to be big or grand or no we don't that's the thing is we don't actually really need that when we think about it it's actually just that the two hours to go for a walk and sit at the beach and journal and then and then I'm good again to be a parent but if you don't have that you know I mean for me when I don't have that then I get into the habit of not taking care of myself in all of the ways like making him dinner and then just eating leftovers or like you know stuff like that instead of being like wait I'm nourishing him why aren't I nourishing myself like I deeply love myself? Why am I doing that for him but not for myself? You know, all those things that we get into as mums. Yeah, and I think there's also a real excavation process that needs to happen in order to actually know what those little things are. So for you, you know it's your dancing and your journaling, but for someone else it won't be those things, it'll be something different. So instead of just thinking, oh, I've been told that self-care should look like this or I should be spending my time doing that, get rid of those shoulds and just take a little bit of time to really tune in and say, well, when do I feel like my cup is starting to become full and I can hold, you know, more or show up in a, in a more aligned way, in a better way for myself because I know I'm spending my time really purposefully when I have that time away from my children. I love that you brought that up because so, for example, I have so every Thursday night, for example, he's every second Thursday night he's with his granddad, every other Thursday night I have a babysitter come over and and in that time, like I'll check in with myself. So I'll be like, okay, what is it? What do I need right now? And then I will do that. And sometimes it's just sitting with myself. I could be doing mirror work in that time. 
like actually sitting with myself and being like, okay, what do you need? How are you feeling? Like, what is that? Like doing a process or I could be going for a walk or I could take a nap, like, or I could go to dance. Like our needs are different all the time. They're not going to look, they're not going to be the same week in, week out, day in, day out. Particularly as cyclical beings, right? When we think about our cycle, are we ovulating or (laughs) are we, are we coming into winter? Like, I just want to be cold. Yeah, yes. So I would love to, as we kind of talk about these sorts of tools and things, bring in journaling and a journaling practice and, and how that can be really supportive. So is your journaling practice, is that something that you do every day? Is that something that you do as you need it? What does that look like for you? I I don't have a strict everyday practice. I go through phases. So at the oh, at the moment, I'm not journaling every day, but a recent phase of mine was to wake up every morning um, with like a cup of tea and journal to start like the, as my starting my day process. But I wasn't asking specific questions. I was just writing. So that was just a practice that I was exploring. When I I use journaling in multiple different ways and it is my go-to tool. So my go-to tools are more uh, journaling and mirror work, but journaling has been my long-term go-to tool. Mirror work is more recent. And so if I'm going through something or if something's coming up for me, the first thing I'm doing is grabbing my journal. Um, So I use it as a processing tool and as a checking in tool. But because I'm so practiced in asking the questions, when I first started, like when I was using it as a checking in tool, as a taking care of myself tool, I had to physically journal on it. Mm-hmm. But because I've I've seriously been journaling for years in this way since Atlas, so it's kind of a process now that actually happens quite automatically. And that's why I've moved to more meeting myself in the mirror because it's more about being with with myself and I can look at myself and ask myself the questions and kind of witness myself in it. Whereas, yeah, so now journaling is more a processing tool for me as opposed to a checking in just in this season. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Because I've done it so many times. Yeah. And so the, the questions that I ask myself are automatic now. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so when you first started, it was more like there was maybe some resistance because you didn't necessarily know what to journal. So you started with questions. Is that? Yes. So I think it's because of my background in coaching. So I'm one of my skills is to ask really good questions. So what would happen was I started when I first became a solo mom, I had so much come up at one time. Like it was When I look back, I'm so proud that I made it through that first year. Like, I think I cried every day, multiple times a day for a year. I felt so alone, but also so supported at the same time. It's, it's interesting. I mean, it's difficult to put into words the experience of it, but I was there for me and I kind of breathed my way and journaled my way through it and meditate. I've studied yoga and my meditation teacher training just for myself for them through that time. So 
I was going through so much and I just met myself. I started meeting myself every night. So as soon as Atlas was asleep, um, he wasn't a great sleeper, but whenever I had a chunk, I would just sit with myself because there was nothing else to do. I was pinned to my house as a solo mom, right? Pinned to my house. So yeah, I, I just, I met myself and that's how I started journaling and it's how I started creating journal guides. So the very first, it's, my journal guides are really reflective of my own journey. So the first, the first sections are, how are you feeling? Because that, it, and then I realized how much we just, we avoid how, we're, how it is we're feeling. We avoid it and we put vices on top of it. But because I was breastfeeding, my old vices couldn't be vices. So this is how it was like a blessing on a blessing on a blessing. So um, back when I was a full-time teacher and, you know, feeling stressed out from my job, I'd come home and drink wine or weed actually used to be a vice for me as well. But I was so, I was so committed to breastfeeding my baby in the healthiest way. I lost, I lost the vices. So I had no choice but to be with myself. So I was like, well, I'm just going to walk into the fire. I had experienced so much pain at that point anyway um, and being so cracked open that I was just like, fuck it, I'm just going to go all in here. So the questions were like, how are you feeling? What do you need right now? And all of this healing started happening because I started meeting my own needs. And we all have an inner child within us that is wanting to be seen, heard, loved, cared for. I don't know I don't know if I know anyone that got all their own needs met as a child. And I feel that having children brings it back up for us. Yeah. Yeah. So in that process, how are you feeling? What do you need? And I would literally write it down. And what I found was my answers were surprising when I wrote them on paper. Like I couldn't just go, how are you feeling? And no, it was like, it's a book. It was a body experience and I had all of these old emotions come up. Oh, I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling, oh, anger. What's that from? What do you need? So that it was a slow, it's a very slow process. Oh, anxious. Oh, you're feeling anxious. What that's, what's that about? Where can you feel that in your body? What do you need? And I just learned to ease my own emotions and not just ease them, but truly work through them and give myself what I need to be with it. And a lot of nervous system regulation happened in that because I was meeting my needs. Yeah, it's a really simple question or they are really simple questions but really powerful. But also a lot of people don't know how to access that. They don't know how they're feeling because they're so used to numbing it. They're so used to not feeling it, not feeling it in the body and knowing what it means or knowing what it's trying to tell them. So if someone sits down and they get their journal out and they write that question, how am I feeling today? And nothing comes up. It's just complete blankness. Is there anything you can suggest to try and slowly start to crack that open? Yes. So it's about, it's about learning. So learning to come into your body is a whole thing that I didn't even know about until I became a mom. So learning everything is in the body. So it's, it's like all your healing is there. Your connection to yourself is there. Your, your capacity to unravel old beliefs and programs that keep you in the same reality, all of all you can work through all of that once you're in your body. So it's, it's about being with yourself. So I would recommend 
just sitting with yourself, spending time with yourself. So we talk about building a connection with yourself, right? Building a relationship with yourself. Think about how you build a relationship or a connection with anything or anyone external. The first thing you do is spend time with them and you get to know them. Yeah. You know, so it's about actually just being with yourself. Like when was the last time, you know, if if anyone was to ask themselves this, when was the last time they just spent time with themselves? And we don't because we're so busy and there's so much to do. But really this is such a healing experience. So it's just a practice. And that's what I want to, I will say that over and over again. This is just a practice and it doesn't ever leave. It's a, it's a lifelong practice, you yeah. know, of, of learning to take care of yourself. So I would just recommend spending time with yourself and feeling different sensations in your body and learning to identify them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's just a self-inquiry. It's just a self-inquiry practice that you get better and better at. I know for me, when I started journaling, I had this resistance around it being silly or it being frivolous or it not being a great way to be spending my time or I won't get enough insight out of it. And I think that really stems back to this potentially like tween teenage girl journaling silly things about, you know, what's happening at school or like, yeah. you know, who's like the hottest boy at school that you've got a crush on and it just being this real like girly, silly thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so that was a really interesting thing for me to to try and uncover and work through. And once I kind of recognized it, it wasn't like, oh, okay, now I can journal and have all of these wonderful insights. It's like, okay, now you've got some work to do around <laughs> the yeah. way you show up with your journaling practice. Are there other things that you've felt or with your clients that you see come up as resistances that, that that might be there to stopping a journal practice? Yeah, I love that you brought that up. That's a, that's a really interesting one. And that's what most people actually say. Well, how do, do I just write about my day? Is it just like a dear diary thing? And it can be, but no. So it's it's really about accessing truth. So that's why, I mean, I resist, our ego is always going to resist that because it's, uncomfortable and like a journal a question in my second journal guide truth and desire that's all about accessing truth one of the questions is what is the truth that I haven't been willing to admit to myself so like the questions can go really deep and I wouldn't recommend starting there because you really want to be in your body before you ask yourself such a big question but that one question when I first asked myself that one question it I wrote down seven things that changed my entire life like, and I acted on them immediately. So the answers and and my first journal guide and all of my journals say on them, all of the answers are within. And it's not thinking that you know everything. It's not a it's not about being a know-it-all. It's about knowing, it's about learning that that you can do so much with asking good questions. You can access insight within yourself. You can access information that you didn't know was there. You can be guided by yourself. And you're also connected to all of creation because you are a part of creation. You are connected to all of creation. So your connection with yourself is also your connection to everything in existence. And that's a, that's, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a very deep thing to say, but you can get there through journaling. So 
you know, the questions start off with learning how to take care of yourself. What do I need? How can I give that to myself? And even things like, what can I feel appreciation for right now? And these these are like rewiring your brain kind kinds of tools because when you practice feeling something, you build the neural networks for that particular feeling or emotion. And your the more you feel it, the stronger the connection gets. And then it becomes like a default and you go back there and you constantly feel appreciation, for example. So, so there's, there's taking care of yourself tools in journaling, rewiring tools. And then there's also things like, oh, I've recognized a limiting belief. How can I work through that? So there's questions that you can use to transform a belief. There's questions that you can use to pull yourself out of overwhelm. You know, there's quite, there's all these different questions and processes that you can use within journaling and you don't need anything external. And that's what's so profound. And that's why it's all of the answers are within because it's all about your inner world and everything points you back to your inner world. And it's interesting because it's the thing that we constantly avoid. And that's why I feel journaling so confronting because it's just you and it's about being honest. And if you can't be honest with yourself, you can't be honest with anyone. So it's about meeting yourself honestly. And that's confronting for people because we don't want to read that maybe our relationship isn't what we thought it was. We don't want to read that we don't like our job or something in our parenting needs to change or, you know, because that, then we have to go feel all the feelings and do something about it. We got to do something about it. (laughs) That's scary. Of course it is. But the thing is like this avoiding thing, like, you can't, again, like I said, the more far out you are, the bigger the fall. So you want to catch it when it's here, not when it's here. And so if you have like a daily journaling practice or a constantly checking in practice, you're only ever going to have to come back to here. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whereas if you are, I was going to say some people are listening to this and I'm doing lots of hand motions. Smaller amounts and bigger amounts. You can get yeah, the context. Smaller amounts and bigger amounts. Yeah. If you're way far out from your center, I'll explain it with my words. If you're way far out from your center, you've got a huge fall to come back to. But if you're only a little bit out, then it's not much of a drop. It's just like, oh, I'm back here again. And knowing that when you do start this process, right? So there's mamas listening to this who are really at the, I guess, at the start of their journey in that connection to self, in that awakening, in discovering like who the fuck I am in in motherhood, yeah, there can be a huge rattle up, a huge shake up. And that doesn't mean that you have to dive headfirst into all of the mess and all of the muck because your nervous system will implode. But knowing that, yeah, there's going to be some things that require some unraveling, some cracking open. That's and why, then yes. that's yeah. why we start with the taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Because we've got to learn to take care of ourselves on this journey. So, yeah, perfect that you brought that up. (laughs) Something that I've been doing with um, my journaling or writing is um, morning pages. I don't know if you've read the book, um, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. She talks about morning pages. So it's basically stream of consciousness. So three Mm -hmm. pages of stream of consciousness every day. And it's literally just like whatever is on your mind, you write it down. So there's no prompts, there's no questions. If you're thinking about all of the chores that you have to do, like that comes out. And Mm -hmm. I started this probably back in February. And what are we in now? June. June. Um, So like four or five months. And I don't do it every single day because I find um, 
I don't like the rigid, rigidness of saying I have to do something every single day, but I've yeah. really started to notice a real um, shift in my mindset and my attitude for the day when I do do this. So it's something that I really try to prioritize quite regularly, knowing that if I have a really bad sleep with the girls or, you know, whatever, I don't beat myself up for not doing it. But when I first started, my mind was so busy. I couldn't think, I couldn't write more than three words of a thought that I was having before my mind would jump to another thought. And it was so scattered and it was so overwhelmed right from the moment that I started my day. And I was journaling this morning, actually, I wrote this morning and I wrote three pages and I was concentrated on two thoughts, two two concepts. Mm -hmm. And it was such a reflection back for me that when we take the time to be able to connect and put our thoughts down onto paper and not just thinking them, because when we think them, we spiral and we circle and we can't come up with solutions. We can't come up with ways to progress forward because we're so caught up in, in the heaviness of it. But when we can start to get them out onto paper, we can start to slow down <laughs> and we need that in motherhood. And, you know, yeah. this does, it does take me 35 to 45 minutes to do it. So I, I get that it's not the most, you know, practical thing to do in the morning when you've got kids, although I do still prioritize that and I'll have my kids come and sit with me sometimes, which they love doing. And I might only get a page or two pages, but it's better than nothing. And actually, my daughter has started saying, I want to write too. I want to go and get my thoughts out too. So a little five-year-old seeing me prioritize that can be really powerful for the way that she's going to show up for herself too. But mm -hmm. I just really wanted to kind of touch on that point that there can be so much swirling, overwhelm, negativity, victimhood that can happen in our mind that we can't know what to do with unless we get it out onto paper to try and help articulate what's going on rather than sitting in the spiral of it. Yeah, I, I agree. And this is what, that's actually what I was mentioning previously or at the start um, when I was saying I was just waking up in the morning and I was, I made sure I woke up before Atlas. So quite yeah. early yeah. so I could start that practice of just, of just writing. Yeah. And, and it's true when we have a thought in our mind, I mean, we are powerful creators and, that goes for when we have a, you know, uh, uh, you know, a negative thought or, or a, you know, some kind of limiting thought or when we're stuck in a problem, we perpetuate the problem in our mind. So like you were recognizing with the spiral, whereas when it's on paper, we can see the truth. We can see it. We can see the spiral. We can see what we're making it mean. And in that we can often see our own patterns. Like we can see our own bullshit when it's written down. Yeah. Um, and seeing it every single day for a week, like seeing the same thing written down every single day, it's a lot more powerful than just thinking that thought because you're like, actually, I've had that same consistent shitty thought every mm -hmm. single day. Do I want to keep carrying that thought? Yes. Because I get to make like, a choice now. Yes. It's like what you would say to your best friend or someone you really love, like, you know, it comes a time where you're going to be like, oh, you're going to keep replaying that story now or you're going to look for some solutions. Okay. Yeah. 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 And when I first started, it would often start with, I'm so tired, my body's so sore, I slept so shitty, I've got so much to do today. And now when I look back, and I, and I very rarely go back and read them, but sometimes I'm curious about the patterns that are kind of coming forth, it's often like I'm 
feeling like so grateful this morning. I'm feeling really motivated to be showing up in my business. Like I went and did this really cool thing last night and it was super exciting. And just the switch in oh, the way that my mind works and processes in the morning has just been really profound. I love that. And the things that come out can be really surprising. I, the last time I, I remember the last time I did this kind of journaling, I started writing, I'm so proud of you. And then I was writing all of the reasons that I was so proud of myself. And I was, I was so, it was such a beautiful moment to share with myself. And it's, I didn't know that I was going to write about that. I, oh, I actually did ask, how are you feeling? And, and I sat and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so proud of myself. And it was like mm. this really beautiful acknowledgement. Oh, so mm. good. Yeah, so that acknowledgement. And recognising it as that instead of it just being a little fleeting moment where you have a feeling in your body and you don't capture it, actually being like, okay, yeah. here we go. I'm just going to really enjoy this moment of being proud of myself. Yeah, and I'm going to bring this feeling into my day and just let it expand. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we've done some journaling. We've discovered some things that we don't want to discover. (laughs) It's out on the paper. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, my career is not great. My, like, my friend, I need to let go of that friendship. I need to have that hard conversation with that person. Like, something's going on in my relationship. We get these things. And the hard thing then is to implement or make action or make changes because that can sometimes feel like, an implosion or an explosion. (laughs) Do you have any advice for people who do take the time to journal, journey inward and find these things that are going to feel really challenging or uncomfortable to do, to start actioning? You know, what do we do with it now? I mean, it's a really good question because I don't recommend anyone just go and blow up their life. So say if you start journaling and you realise all of these big things at once, I do. It's not about, um, it, it's about like, this is why grounding and regulating is so important because it's like, okay, what is my, what is my step now? Like, for example, now that I know that I don't like my job, let's just say like, and I'm not happy in it and it's, it's, you know, this isn't what I want to do for whatever reason. It's like, instead of, you're not going to go and quit your job today if you need money you know, it's like, okay, well, what is my first step? What are all of the possibilities here? That's why I like this question. Um, and that was one of the questions actually when we were in the journaling, when I met you at the journaling workshop, that was one of the questions. What are all of the possibilities and solutions here? And I really like that question because you can explore multiple possibilities, multiple timelines, multiple solutions, and you can explore all of the possibilities. And it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to act on all of them, but it's just a way to have them all out on the paper. And then it's just, I would say it's just one step at a time. So, you know, if it's, you don't like your job, well, it's like, well, ideally, what, what would I love to do? Like, what would be my ideal situation? What would be my dream career? And then it's like, how can I make one step towards that? Or, you know, maybe it could be, see, there's so many things because every situation is different. It could be, well, what is it that I want? Is it, would I stay for a pay rise? And if that's the thing, well, then what, what are the possibilities? Could I ask my boss for a pay rise? Could I do this? Could I change this? Um, could I ask for less hours? Could I ask for more hours? It's, it's, it's not about going and blowing up your whole life. It's about 
looking at what it is you ideally want to be experiencing or what you want to be experiencing more of and then looking at all of the possibilities of how to meet that outcome because there are multiple and then choosing the thing that feels the most aligned and the best Mm, and feeling that in the body what feels like it will be it might feel scary but it also will often have an element of expansiveness there you know somewhere deep in there I mean, it's like relationship, you know, something bigger that feels like so big. And it's like, well, do I want to be in this relationship? No. Is it, is, is there anything we could do in order to, to keep this, in order to stay in this relationship? Like, and then look at the possibilities. Is it counseling? Is it this? Is it this? And you could, you might come to a space where it's like, no matter what, I don't want to be in this relationship or situation anymore then it's like well you're you're only after all of these great questions you're left with the thing where it's like I have to have a conversation with this person and yeah it's gonna hurt so much or that's gonna be really hard but nothing hurts more than self-betrayal which is staying in a situation that you actually don't want to be in that's like soul-destroying stuff yeah so once you see the truth you can't change, you can't move. It's going to be, it's there. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. But the thing is, we're always, we're always creating and we're either doing it consciously or unconsciously. So we want to move to consciously because we're creating anyway. So we might as well do it in a way that's most aligned with us. If you're in a relationship that you're not meant to be in, you can end it now or you can end it in 10 years, but it's going to end. Or you're gonna, do you know what? Or you're just gonna stay in something that makes you feel deeply unhappy. Yeah. Do we always have a choice? We do. Yeah. And sometimes we might be able to see that choice, and it's something that we can't necessarily act on straight away for whatever reason. Maybe we're not ready, or we do want to explore other options. But I love that you spoke about being able to come up with uh, different ideas or different options about the steps to get to wherever you want to go. And I feel like we can get a lot more creative with solutions when we actually know what the problem is or what the changes that we want to make rather than just feeling really scattered in something's not quite right here and trying, you know, multiple different things but not really finding any any joy or purpose or solution in what you're actually spending your time doing. Because as mummers, you know, we do only have so much time to ourselves and we can spruik about find time in your day for yourself as much as possible. But the reality is sometimes we do only have really limited time. So we want to use that really consciously in Mm. being able to show up for ourselves. Even like with that, if I was left just to find time in my day, there would be no time. So it's like make time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Make it that priority. Make the time. Otherwise, like, yeah. And Yes, make it a make it a priority, a hundred percent. Yeah. Do you have any really um, practical, maybe some prompts that you would like to share with the listeners if they're feeling really inspired to start a journaling practice, or you know, even something if they have been journaling for a while, will still deepen. I know some of your questions are super simple, but really still powerful. And (laughs) I felt that activation when I was in your journal workshop. So yeah, is there anything that you are feeling called to kind of share in terms of people starting a practice? If, if you're just starting a practice, I would start with the basic questions that I've already are that I've already shared. And that's the, it's the, how am I feeling? What do I need? How can I prioritize this? And I would, I would start there And I actually, 
whenever I sit down with my journal, I actually start with the two questions. How am I feeling? What do I need? I always start with those. And and even if I'm just doing the stream of consciousness, I still start with the check-in. And I do that because it my default is to be out of my body. Like I um I'm I'm just like that. But I know that the magic is in my body. So my my biggest practice is to is to come back in and I do that with those questions. So I really do I recommend that. If you are if you are in your body and, and you're really aware of yourself and and you know that's not a thing that you are like your biggest thing to practice, you could start with it depends on your on your reason for journaling. Like are you are you just wanting to explore or are you wanting to address something specific? So are you sitting with I mean I can actually give those the four questions that that I that I shared at the journaling workshop, which mm-hmm. is one strategy, and they're not in a journal guide. So I've got two journal guides; they're not in it. Um, so the four questions are: so this is use this if you are experiencing a problem, like something that you perceive to be a problem in your life. So I created this process when uh, my son's dad told me he was moving to Bali because I was just so in it. I was just like spiraling in the thoughts and my thoughts sounded something like, I'm going to have no time for myself. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to make, how am I I going to have enough time to be a great mom and make enough money to support us? Um, I'm not going to be able to see the guy that I'm dating. I'm not going to be able to dance. I'm not going to be able to see my friends. Like all of these spiraling, all of these spiraling thoughts that weren't true, they were just fears. Mm-hmm. So I created this process and I call it the out of prison strategy because I experienced what it was like to spiral down so deep that I felt like I had built cement walls around myself. Because when you're there, you're closed off to possibility, you're closed off to solution, and you can just get yourself in a deep, dark hole. And I'm pretty sure everyone's experienced this. So the the first question is, um, what's the situation? So it's just your, it's, you can write down what's happening. So, um, my son's dad, Atlas's dad is moving to Bali. Like that's the situation. I'm, I'm going to be a full-time solo mom. What am I making this mean is question two. So what's the situation? What am I making this mean? So in that question, you get to see all of your patterns and you see the spiral. So the spiral was, I'm going to have you know, all the things I mentioned, I'm going to have no time. I'm not going to be able to take care of myself. I'm not going to be able to see the guy I'm dating, like all of this, the whole spiral. Um, so what am I making this mean? And then what are all of the possibilities and solutions? And in that you open back up to life, to creation, to infinite timelines, to all the possibilities. And then you start to see, oh, I can hire a babysitter. I can, you know, expand my business in this way. I can ask, I can make a big list of everyone that I can ask for help. And I can, I can ask them to, to spend a few hours with my son each month or whatever. Like, and, and all of a sudden I saw all of these possibilities. So that's the third question. And I've tried this with multiple situations, by the way, I just created it through that experience that I was having, but this works with every problem that I've found and used Mm -hmm. it with. And then the fourth question is, how is this actually the best thing to have possibly happened to me? 
Um, sometimes I ask the same question in multiple different ways because different questions resonate differently. How is this the best possible thing to have happened to me? Or how is this happening for me? What am I learning from this? How is this for my highest good and my highest evolution? That's the last question. Mm-hmm. And what I found in that, that's when I found, I was like, wow, this is such an opportunity for me. And everything I wrote in that question is really happening. And I'm not going to, like, I have hard days. Like, there's days where I literally envision I would never do this, like, but like throwing my son because I'm so like, ah, you know, he's four. Yeah. But, but honestly, everything I wrote in that part, which was like, how is this happening for my highest good and my highest evolution? I could see how this experience was happening for me. And I was like, wow, I'm going to be so much more um, present and in the moment and productive with my time. And I get way less done. I get way more done in a way shorter amount of time now. Mm. Like, I'm like, wow, I can actually practice asking for help and receiving help. Life gets to be easier for me. I get to, you know, honestly, all of these things, like, I get to have this beautiful experience with my son. Like me and him are going to be even closer. Like everything I wrote, how is this for my highest good and my highest evolution? All of it, all of that is my reality. So I went from this deep, dark hole of literally I'm going to have a mental breakdown. I honestly, at one moment, I actually thought it would be best if my son moved to Bali with his dad because he, I was like, oh, my God, am I going to be able to take care of him? And I actually, that's like the darkest thought you could think for me is to be like, maybe I can't take care of him. Yeah. So I went from that to being like, holy shit, this is like, yes, it's hard, but it's incredible. I love that progression of questions because it doesn't um, discount or ignore what you're feeling in the moment, the heaviness of the reality. Yeah. We never want to bypass the reality because that's not helpful. Yeah. Like, that's not helpful. And um, I think that, you know, spirituality can have a bit of a bad rap for that. Yes. And that's just a pattern of disassociating and fantasy like I used to be in, so I know it well. But that's not really how we heal. It's not honest. It's not really honest. Like the emotions are still in I'm still working through it. There's still days where I'm like, oh, this sucks. And then I get to like work through it again and it's another layer. And then I come out again and I'm like, no, this is good. Yeah. Yeah. And really trusting and believing that there are those layers and they're there to serve us. Because if we access the deepest layer at the start of our journey, it would just be too much. So knowing that as we continue on our evolution, we are going to access the layers that we have the capacity to be able to access. And that if you feel like you have that same repeating pattern, it's not because you're not doing doing anything right or you're not growing or healing or evolving. It is just part of the process in that those layers will present at different times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here and sharing everything that you have shared so openly and vulnerably. And I really um, feel this will be so supportive for people to start to access more of themselves through that really powerful journaling process. So if people are wanting to connect with you more, I'll drop your Instagram and website links in the show notes. But what's the easiest and best way for people to kind of contact you? Is it through Instagram? I mean, that's where you all kind of hang out these days. Yeah, I hang out mostly on Instagram. So Instagram is my best 
it's the best way to contact me. Absolutely. Perfect. And how do you work with mums? So do you have a membership that you work with or one-on-one? So tell me about that. So I work so it's in most in three different ways. So the so the membership is really the most accessible way to work with me. So I'm offering a month free trial at the moment, which is amazing. So you can cancel anytime. It's not logged in or anything like that. But it's through an app where you can access my so I have teachings and I have embodiment practices to go with every teaching because this is I'm like if you're not if you're not in a practice of the teaching, it's purposeless, right? Mm -hmm. It's just information. Mm -hmm. So uh, teachings, embodiment practices, short breathwork practices, meditations, what else is on there? Oh, I do a monthly live as well. So it's the closest thing you can get to coaching, but it's a non-coaching container. But in saying that, you can get on live with me once a month and ask me anything and I'll work with you. Um, And obviously, there's also an invitation for you to share what you've taken from each teaching, and then I'll get on and work with you in the comments. So I think that's a that's an I love that offering because I just wanted a space where I could give because I also know that every not everyone's ready for coaching and not everyone wants coaching. Yeah. Right. So it's like a taste. It's like dipping your toe in without going all in. Yeah. So the membership, and then I run group program. So at the moment I have Rise running, which it's that's already started. And I have Expand relaunching for its third round in October, September. September, October. Sometimes later in the year. Uh, and then I do work one-to-one. So I have a small capacity for one-to-one just because there's a lot. That's a that's my most high-end offering. So I offer a lot in that. So I only hold I used to hold 10. I've like, I'm slowly decreasing it just so I can give, just because I give a lot to them. So I hold about eight. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So that's, that's how, but I also have, if anyone is listening to this and they want one of my journal guides, you can message me on Instagram and I'll send you the first guide. I will send it to you. Amazing. Thank you. And I will put those journal prompts that you mentioned, those four, I'll write them and put them in the show notes. So if you're listening, walking, driving, whatever, you don't have to try and scroll back through and find those. I'll pop those in the show notes for easy access. And thank you for being here, dear listener, with us. Sammy, I so appreciate you being here and sharing. Um, For the listeners, please come and let us know what you've taken out of this episode. Both Sammy and I would love to hear what you kind of took out of it. Maybe take a screenshot or a picture of where you're listening to and tag us and let us know how you're enjoying this episode. And as, as always, if you are loving the podcast, please do go ahead and leave a review. Leave a review on Inst- um, not Instagram, Spotify or um, iTunes. I would be so appreciative of that. And until next time, I can't wait to be in your ears again. See you later.